Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 4, if you will, and stand with me one more time. I won't ask you to stand anymore unless the preaching is so good that you have to. But No, don't, don't do that because then you'd have somebody stand and look at everybody else going, you need to stand. So just scratch that. Luke chapter 4. To all of our family and friends that are guests today, uh, we welcome you. We want you to feel at home. Uh, you are among family and friends. There's no uh, high self-righteous people here. We all came to Christ the same way, kneeling. And so we're just blessed that you're with us today. And we pray uh, that today you will be able to leave and say with assurity that you heard from the Lord for your life today. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And when he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he, the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised or the oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book and He gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on Him. And He said unto them, Today, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. After thousands of years, this young boy, or man now at 33, stood in the presence of them and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. He was announcing himself to be the promised Messiah. He was announcing himself to be God's plan for redemption and the restoration of Israel. Uh, the defeating of their enemies. He said, it, this day it's fulfilled. The introduction of that person. There are several passages or several venues, avenues which you could travel. But I want to speak specifically to the centralized uh, message to the individuals. He had a word for the poor. He had a word for the brokenhearted. He had a word for the captive. He had a word for the blind. And he had a word for the oppressed. He took the book from them in Isaiah and opened it up. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has sent me not just to proclaim who I am, but to seek and to save those that are lost. And he had a word for the people there. It was going to go out from that synagogue into the neighborhoods, into the towns, into the small cities. Uh, it's going to spread out throughout all the world that Christ is Lord. Number one this morning. Christ came with a word for the poor. Not financially poor, but spiritually poor. That Greek word poor means pauper. A spiritual pauper, uh, a distressed, beggarly, disdained person. In the same way you could recognize a homeless man on the street, he was speaking that there are people who are spiritually homeless. 
easy to recognize. And each one of these, you can just use me as the example. You don't even have to use you. Uh, not uh, of the family of God. Not of the people of God. My, my works, my, my attitudes, my words, my deeds... My proclivities, my, my drawings, my yearnings had nothing to do with God and righteousness. It was obvious that if any help was going to come to me, it had to come from the hands of another. Jesus said, I have come to the poor. Poor of their own making or the actions or inactions of others. But poor nonetheless. Some of us are spiritually in poverty today because of how we were raised. Others of us can say we're in spiritual poverty because of choices we made, of opportunities lost. But the truth was, you were born into your spiritual poverty. The Bible says that sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And sin was passed on. So when Adam sinned, God told him, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And Satan said, you'll surely not die. And when Eve ate of the fruit, she didn't die. When Adam ate, he didn't die. So it looked like God was lying. But it wasn't their physical body that died. It was their spirit that died. That's how the Bible said we can be dead in trespasses and sin, yet I'm still alive. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I, the truest part of me, am a spirit. I have a soul, I live in the body. My spirit can hear and interact with God. I can feel God. I can hear God. I can sense God. I can worship God. It's the only part of me that can connect to God. My soul does not connect. My body doesn't connect. Now, I'll prove this out to you. So, I am a spirit. That's how we connect with God. My soul connects with you. That's why I meet some of you. I like them. And we meet somebody else and they walk off and we go, hmm, I don't like them. Our soul has emotions. Uh, you husbands know what I'm talking about. Some days you have to check and see how the day is going to go. Uh, how you feel this morning? Good. Well, praise the Lord because when mama's happy, everybody's happy. But if mama ain't happy, that's a whole other sermon. But our soul has emotions in it. I'll get off that because nope, everybody was scared. All the men were looking straight ahead like I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. Our soul has emotions. We laugh. We cry. We're sad. We're happy. We're disappointed. So our soul connects with one another and the interactions of this world. My body connects to the natural world. This. I feel that. Not with my soul. I don't feel that with my spirit. My body feels that. If you've ever walked to the bathroom at 1.30 in the morning and split your toes on a coffee table, that's your body. That ain't your soul. That ain't your spirit. You go to one knee, you know, and you just, oh, I'd just rather you've shot me in the face than that happen. And, you know, and then it's permanent. Your toes do this right here. So, see, my body can't connect with my soul. Uh, my body can't connect with God. My soul can't connect with God. The body connects with the world, the natural world, elements. My soul connects with people, and my spirit connects with God. So now watch. We who were born into this world, were born into sin. And our spirit was dead. That's why it says, you are dead in trespasses and sins. So that answers the question for me. If I'm dead, how can I ever connect with God? My soul 
knows that my spirit is dead and my soul calls out to God on behalf of my spirit man that can't reach him. That's why when a person will come to a church and they'll walk an aisle or they'll call on the name of the Lord. See, dead people can't call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dead people can't call. But when God begins to quicken us, we can from our soul who has no access, no right, no privilege. When we scream out in desperation, when our soul says, save me, O Lord. He comes and resurrects that spirit man. That's where it said he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You who were dead in sins, dead in your trespasses. He is now quickened and brought back to life. So get the idea of the poor person, the homeless person on the street that hasn't washed for whatever reason. If it's, there's no place to wash or they've given up hope. Their survival is contingent upon the mercy of someone else. And the Bible said that Jesus said... I have come to preach the gospel to the person that's looking to someone else's hand because they know that they cannot help themselves. Now, in the natural realm, the type dissolves because that person can to some degree help themselves. But if the request was secure financing for a $200,000 home, they are helpless because there is not the wherewithal to do that. And there are spiritually poor people. Their mama was poor. Their daddy was poor. They were raised around everything from lasciviousness to alcoholism to, to, to drug abuse to sexual abuse. There was no... They're just homeless. And the Bible says that we in this world, we were strangers from the covenants of promise. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Having no hope. No, no, no connection, no right, no privilege. So if there's going to be any salvation, it's got to come from the hand of another. Here comes Jesus with a word to the poor. Here comes Jesus with a word for the brokenhearted. And that Greek word for brokenhearted means this, that they had experienced great trauma, that they were completely shattered, the decimation of their life, Limits their movements and a deepening and soon inescapable rut is formed. I was surprised to find that that Greek word not only mentioned horrible trauma, but it mentioned a forced rut, which means that life had beat them down. Maybe it was their choices, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was someone else's, maybe it was a combination. But when you're living decimated, does it really matter? And when you're that crushed, your movement is limited to a certain pattern and well-worn patterns not only go th through the carpet and leave lines, but it digs holes in our lives where we get up, we go to work, we go to bed. We get up, we go to work, we go to bed. And the Bible says that there are, uh, are special people that Jesus targets to come and minister to, and they are brokenhearted. You can experience. Now, not everyone has. If you live long enough, you will experience most of these. But you can experience pain that is so profound that you can feel nothing else. Nothing else. Trauma that is so great that after it happens, it's hard to remember anything else. 
I think of our faithful men and women that serve this country that suffer with post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, they can have life, but for some of them, it's, it's hard to remember anything else because the, the common overshadowing thing is it was so horrible that that blanket touches everything else. You can be so crushed that you do not have the capacity to stand. So shattered that it's impossible to pick up all the pieces. Jesus has a word for the brokenhearted. I see you and I understand. Now, give me just a moment and I want, I know you are so gracious to give me your attention, but I want you to focus like you've never focused before because one of the tricks the devil uses against us is no one understands the hell I've been through. If you're abused as a little boy by your, your dad or your uncle all your life, or vice versa, uh, uh, a little girl that's abused, or uh, if you go from foster home to foster home and you were thrown away and your parents chose alcohol. One of the tricks the devil says, if God is God, then why did all this hell happen to you? And, he, and, it, and it, the Bible says that the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, the image of Christ, should shine unto them. And what the devil does is he, he brings in realities and he, he, he paints them in such a way that it questions the integrity and the faithfulness of God and that if God were God, then why? No one understands you. Those people in the church sure don't understand you. No one's ever had it like you. And let's just say that no one has. Christ has. Christ has. Let's, let's just bypass all of the ridicule and the mockery from you were birthed by a whore uh, who claimed to be a virgin and all that mockery that he endured. Uh, and then let's just go to the crucifixion where they had a common murderer named Barabbas or they had the meek Lamb of God who had not deserved any mistreatment and he said it's right for me to release one to you it's our pattern which would you like and they screamed give us Barabbas and some of us were traded for someone of little to no value and were thrown away like yesterday's garbage and they brought Jesus out and they stripped him naked and when I think about this humiliation and the brutality that happened and they took the naked Savior and they wrapped his legs around this pole and they put his arms around a pole and they tied him together and they took a cat of nine tails which was a leather strap, some say seven or nine pieces of, of, of leather and at the end there was leather strips with pieces of bone and glass mixed into the leather and weighted balls as well so when it would whip and come back it would pull the skin like ribbons. It would pull the flesh and then the meat and then the fat and then down to veins and arteries. And they brutalized him. Before they did that, they beat him with their fists. They pulled his beard out of his face. They spat in his eyes and they took a crown of thorns and pushed them into his forehead. And the Bible said that he was so brutalized that his visage was marred, which means that if you knew him, you would not be able to recognize him at a physical level. Jesus knows what it's like to be crushed. 
victimized, trauma. And I see my Savior this morning with his head hung. And they pushed that, those thorns into his head. And you could hear it go through the skin into the bone. And the thorn was a symbol of the curse because when God cursed the, uh, gar- the, in the Garden of Eden, he cursed the world. And he said, Adam, it's all cursed now because of your sin. And thorns and thistles will the earth bring forth. It won't bring forth food naturally, but thorns and thistles. And Jesus took the symbol of the curse and lifted it off this world and bore it like a crown of glory because he bore that crown so that somebody like you and I could receive a better crown. A more glorious crown. So Jesus in this passage says, I want you to know I know who the beggars are. They have no hope. And I know the ones that are beat down so much that if they wanted to, they can't get out because the rut is too deep and the energy is gone. They're broken hearted. Shattered. Jesus has a word for the captive. The prisoner. The one that's bound. The prisoner of the enemy. The adversary of your souls. Satan coming to steal and kill. To to devour you. A prisoner of their own sins. A prisoner of their own habits. A prisoner of their own history. I I still remember. I mean, I'm old. I'm, I'm feeling old these days. Somebody says, oh, brother, you need to be more positive. I'm positive I'm old up in here. I'm, I've got them giving me the discounted Publix, and I ain't even there yet. I told one lady, I said, I, I'm not old enough. She said, well, you look like you were. I'm like, so when's your baby due? No, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say that. I, I did not. I did not. Have you found out if it's boy or girl? No, I just appreciated the 10% off because I told her, hey, I told her the truth. If you want to take 10% off because you feel sorry for me, I look that weather, go, go right ahead. But I remember, I remember the guilt and how bound I was. I never knew that opening that first beer would steal seven years of my life, being drunk four or five nights a week for seven years. I never dreamed that the first looking through a magazine. There was no internet. The first magazine that my buddy found under his daddy's bed would pervert and distort everything from how I looked at women to the idea of sex and how to be... I learned how to be a man through the distorted mind of a producer of pornography because I didn't have an earthly dad. Now, I'm not putting it on anybody, but I mean, there's, there's a prisoner. See, once you're bound, you know, be careful who you point fingers at and mock. Nobody wakes up saying, ooh, today's a good day to be an alcoholic. Today's a good day to, to, to become perverted in the way I view sex uh, outside of marriage. Today's a good day to, to be a food addict. Today, today's a good day to, to be bound. Be careful. Be careful that you don't use your freedom to despise someone else that has not received the deliverance that was made available to you in Christ. Be careful. Where would we be? Come on. Where would we be? 
If we hadn't died, we would have sunk lower and lower and lower and lower. And not only our bondage. I'll tell you what bondage looks like. And I'm not a soapbox preacher where, you know, some of us grew up in church where the guy's screaming and his vein coming up on his head and he preached the truth and he preached on hell. And I'm thinking, I think he wants me to go there. I think, I mean, he looked angry, you know, and we, 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 we were so afraid of legalism now that we're not. We don't even talk about truth. Let me give you a truth about bondage. Here's a man that can bench press 400 pounds and a little white piece of tobacco about that big with a little tip on it tells him, now, get up from this table sitting with your wife and children and you go outside and inhale me now. And he says, Yes, sir. When the man has a beautiful wife in the other room and children in the other room and he sneaks to his office and locks his door to look at things he shouldn't look at because his flesh says, Now you do what I tell you. To the woman who is beautiful, a beautiful wife, a beautiful mother, and she goes in a room and secretly throws up so that she can be a smaller version of who she is and doesn't realize that they are are bound. Anything that owns you, you're a slave to it. Now Christ doesn't free us from the pull of sin. He frees us from the power of sin. And before you knew Jesus, there just was no hope. We 12 step, 16 step. I said, y'all got like a 42 step that I can get in? I try to change. Anybody else tried to change in your flesh? Spiritual problems, it just doesn't work. And if it does work, it doesn't work for long. And if it works for long, then you substitute it and pick up something else. I stopped smoking, but I ate 16 pallets of peppermint yesterday. In the last year, I spent $460 on peppermint at Sam's. But I ain't smoking no more. <laughs> Sorry. We have to laugh because it's too heavy, you know. Prisoners of guilt... A prisoner is someone that's held against their own will. I love it that one of the trademarks of Jesus Christ is when he quickens somebody and brings them to life, every chain falls away. And the devil tricks us and says, if you were free, you wouldn't want it. No, I'm still, my soul's still alive. My flesh is still alive. And listen, how do you know you're saved? Conflict. When you get saved and your spirit man says, don't do it. And your flesh goes, don't listen to that guy. He just came back to life. He don't know what he's talking about. You want this. You need. And the conflict inside is the spirit warring against the flesh. But before someone's recreated, there is no conflict and there is no power. Just an awareness that I am owned. And whatever sin of my sins was the sin of choice dictates to me that I am not free. But whom the sun sets free is free indeed. No one wants to be in prison except the person that's been there so long that knows nothing else. I know of men that will get out of prison and go commit a small crime to violate their parole so they can go back. And Jesus has a word for the prisoners. Number four, only two more. Jesus has a word for the blind. Jesus is coming with a word for the blind. 
The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, the image of Christ, should shine unto them. Blind means an inability to see, to see clearly or to see accurately. We're speaking spiritually now. To see God, to see themselves, to see life as it really is, to see the world, to see how fragile and temporary everything is, to see that our life is but a vapor and appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. It sees the hilarity of advertising on TV that, you know, appeals to people that are watching TV at four o'clock in the morning. Wouldn't you like to be a millionaire? And they're at four o'clock in the morning. Yes. Well, I know you up at four o'clock in the morning. You ain't employed. <laughs> it's hilarious. Wouldn't you look good in this Maserati? Yeah, but I wouldn't look good on paying 2000 a month for the next 62 years. It's, it's like we're blind to thinking that what's worth value and what's not worth value. It's like seeing our children and our family and our witness and our testimony as devalued. And whatever you want to do, it's your life. Grab the gusto. Live for yourself. And it doesn't see the end of the picture. Now, I'm not busting on anybody. I'm just asking you, with the rise of the Internet and media, y'all get those little pop-ups that said, what do the stars from... 1980 look like. Death on a soda cracker is what they look like. You got the, you know, all the bands that you listened to before you were saved from, and I just, I, I could name them, but y'all would be mad because that's your band, but on the highway to hell and all this, and you look at the lead singer and I thought, I think he's been. <laughs> Horrible. Listen, they were tricked. They were tricked. Blind to what's important, blind to what's in front of them, blind to their own sinfulness, blind to their own lostness. How dare you say I'm lost? Because you're lost. It's like, um, have, have you ever gone into like a sunglass hut or something and they've got the little Maui gym thing? There's a, a little pelican and a, a palm tree and a cloud and it just looks very opaque, but you put on polarized glasses and you go, oh. Look out now. You take those off and you put on Ray-Bans, which are not polarized, and you just get nothing. And when we're born again and he opens our eyes, we see how we were wasting away, wasting our substance. We, we, we thought we were bound, and that chain we thought was a chain was just a piece of dental floss that Christ could just snap and set us free Blind to our own lostness. Blind to our deadness. Blind to impending judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. You will stand before God at one of two thrones. The great white throne judgment. That will be judgment for sin. Not sins. Sin. The sin nature and refusing to accept the redemptive work of Christ for your life. It's just guilty or not guilty. And everyone's guilty. Or you'll come before the bema seat of Christ... Not judged for your sin, but for your works. The things that you've done for the Lord for reward. And when we're spiritually blind, we can't see that day coming. It's like the person that doesn't plan for their retirement. If you don't plan for your future, you will hate your future. If you don't plan, uh, it's amazing to me, the people. that It's like Christmas, you know, two weeks before Christmas. Lord, I got 61 gifts to buy. Like you didn't know Christmas was coming. 
You see them on Christmas Eve. They start at 5 in the morning and they go all day long like, like it surprised you. It snuck up on you. All right, y'all. I, I, I got to tell you this. It's funny. It's just, it, just, it wasn't in my notes, but it, it, this does the point for me. Now, don't get mad at me and write me no letters. I've had people write me, why do you hate fat people? Why do you hate skinny people? Why do you hate men that it would bought? You know, all this stuff. So, Any of you ever watched Biggest Loser? I love me some Biggest Loser. Got more commercials per, per hour than any show on television. And they go, the scale of tit, 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 commercial. And you just throw stuff at the TV every time. Because you want to see if Irma broke into the 300. You want to see it. So hold on. What kills me is the first episode. And Kelly's over there going, oh, don't, please don't say this. please." The first episode kills me. So they go, we're going to get your first way in. Okay, and the lady comes to the front. I hope you can tie this together with something spiritual. I want you to see. <laughs> I see it, but I hope that you can see it. So she goes to the scale, and I don't know how they do this scale. It, it goes like 70, 700. Oh, come, you know, and they do it for effect. Instead of it just going to the number, or instead of it saying one at a time, please, something like that. But they get on the scale, and it goes, doot. And you're going, and this is, Mildred, you are 416 miles. Okay, stop right there. You didn't know? Well, no, wait a minute. You sent the video in, you remember, to get accepted. Now, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about these people on TV. You sent the video in of you eating a sack of Whoppers. And they showed the video, right? You didn't know? We didn't know that our families are rotting away. We didn't know that our mind was sinking into the gut. We didn't know that we were growing into the person we had hoped we'd never be. We didn't, yes, we knew, but we're blind. And the God of this world, that word blind means opaque. It's like blowing smoke through something. He does it just enough to where you spend your life. And the tragedy of that show is that if that person doesn't change, they die. I try sometimes with hard things as well as funny things that you'll remember to understand that ignorance still can kill you. And I knew I was lost. I knew I was blind. I knew I was bound. I knew I was captive. And I knew I was blind because I could not walk correctly. There was no light. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And I was trying, some of us have tried to be Christian without being a Christian. We tried to walk in Christian pathways without being a Christian. If I asked you to be a wood, you'd be like, Lord, please, no. But if you had to study me, okay, be a wood. That strange? Yes, just got to study it all. Got to be it. How hard, not just me, but it could be imitating anyone. It would be to do exactly like a wood would do. And the moment you stop thinking about it, you would resort back to who you are. And when we're lost, we live lost. 
And some of us go to church for five or ten years and we're still lost, we're still bound, we're still poor, we're still captive because we can't help ourselves. Ben, if you would come, please. Some who are spiritually blind know it, but they've grown accustomed to it. Others just plow through life as if it didn't matter, relying on the opinions of others. Before you play, Ben, I got one more quick joke to tell him, one more quick story. My papa died when he was 97 years old. And before he passed, he was a great man, good man, but he legally blind, legally deaf. I mean, he couldn't hear thunder. And I remember as a 10-year-old boy being in the car with him, and he was driving, and he goes, Johnny! Said, yeah, what you see out there? <laughs> True story. God's listening to me. I said, sir, what you see out there? In the road? <laughs> yeah, is them cars? As an adult, I'm thinking, you might as well have a white stick out the, out the window with a red tip on it, bouncing it off the ground. You can't see? Don't tell your grandmother. So we're just driving up the road, reacting at the last minute. Like, whoo, that was a close one. My grandmother used to say, you see this car? This ain't a car. It's a casket on wheels. That's what this is. <laughs> now you can play for me. <laughs> That's what she would say. And we just act like, we act like we'll ask the opinion. Listen, my papa, my papa put his life in the hands of a 10-year-old boy. We'll put our life in the hands of a co-worker. What do you see? What's life about? We'll turn on the TV and let some paid clown tell us what's important. Jesus has a word for the blind and the oppressed. Those who are disappointed, disillusioned, disheartened and dismayed. Life has removed from them all hope. And they have no expectation of good or freedom. What is the word? So here comes Jesus. What is the word? It was in your text. Did you miss it? I'll read it to you. To the poor, he preaches the gospel of grace. See, mercy is what I keep from you, but grace is what I give to you. To the poor, he says, I will give you everything you need to be like me. And he takes us into his family, lifts us out of the gutter, and we reign as co-heirs with Jesus Christ. He tells the poor, you can be poor and rich at the same time through salvation. To the brokenhearted, he brings healing. That's a cure, wholeness. To the captive, he brings forgiveness, pardon, immediate pardon, personal pardon, absolute pardon, enduring pardon. To the blind, he brings sight, simple, beautiful, life-altering sight. And to the oppressed, he brings liberty. He sets at liberty them that are bruised. You know what that means in the Greek, set at liberty? Listen to this. He frees them in such a way that it gives vent to joyful emotions, almost spasm-like when we get saved. And he heals us, opens our eyes, and breaks our chains. We're like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Amanda, we were talking about this. I don't know, I don't know how to do I don't know how to do this. Well, learn. 
first year I was saved, I remember letting my dog Jabbo off the leash. And he just took off. He was so happy and doing backflips and landing on his head. And you know, get the zoomies. And he said, that's what freedom feels like. Jesus said, he walked into church and said, and is saying this morning, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me read it to you. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I'm bringing deliverance to captives. I'm going to open eyes to the blind. And I'm going to set at liberty them that are bruised. He does all of this for us through salvation. Finding us where we are, as we are, and drawing us unto himself. The spiritually poor looking for his hands, the brokenhearted looking for the cure, the captive looking for pardon, the blind looking for sight, and the oppressed to live again, laugh again, love again, and walk with God again. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. So how does it happen, Brother John? Do I decide? Nope. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of the will of man. Well, I just asked Jesus into my heart. Not if he hasn't invited you into his. You can't just pick. But there are moments when our soul can feel something going on. And it's God letting us know that his desire is to bring us back to life. The Bible said there's a day coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. And he speaks to you. You may not know it as such, but he said, get up. I just saved you. And all of a sudden, that which you couldn't do a moment ago, you can do now. See, Lazarus, when he called Lazarus out of the ground, dead people can't hear. Lazarus, come forth. He ain't getting up. So what was, who was he speaking to? His spirit. And his spirit was quickened and his body got up. So that his, the reason his body got up, so he could tell you what happened to his spirit. Get up, get up, get up, get up. And I wonder today, on our family and friends day, if this is the acceptable year of the Lord for you. The healer's here. Would you bow your heads? The deliverer is here. The one that opens blind eyes is here. John can't help you. Church can't help you. Christ Chapel can't help you. No priest, no bishop, no pope, no cardinal, no beads, no candles, no works. You're helpless unless he saves you. If you know you're not saved and your soul is crying out today, God, have mercy on me and save my soul. With no one looking around, if that's you, just put your hand up so I can see you. I won't embarrass you. I want to know where you are. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? If not today, sir, when? What about the backslider in this place? Away from God. Not where you once were. Not who you once were. Say, I'm calling on the Lord this morning to restore me to the joy of his salvation. If that's you, just slip your hand up just a moment. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. God bless you.
God bless you. Would you stand with me this morning? One of my favorite things, just give me two or three minutes, we'll be done. One of my favorite things about salvation is the, the way you can't quite hold it in your hand. It's like squeezing a cluster of grapes and all the juice go down your arm and say, which grape did that bit of juice come from? The Bible says it's like the wind blowing. You can tell it's blowing, but you can't really tell exactly how, how it happens. When you're recreated you really don't play a part in it. It's all of grace. All of grace. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Dead people can't save themselves. But you'll know. You'll start, watch, seeing things you didn't see before. You'll start walking out of things you couldn't walk out of before. You start experiencing feelings of joy and peace that you hadn't felt before. You start realizing that Christ not only raised you from the dead. He not only raised your life, He moved in. And you are saved. Period. Forgiven. Now as a matter, the question is not, are you saved? But at what level are you living in and enjoying the salvation that was so freely given? Now's not the time to be a pauper. Now's not the time to be bound. Now's not the time to be crushed. You can be shattered. And God put every piece back together and restore your soul. I am a testimony to it. Now's the time to let God be God in you. In your life. Ben, lead us through that course, would you? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. Chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, ransom me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing. that day Jesus closed the book and he said today this has been fulfilled in your ears and it continues on again today have a wonderful Lord's Day God bless you